This is episode three of the audio version of Frontline's Amazon Empire, The Rise and Reign of Jeff Bezos. It's great to be here at Amazon. Amazon would thrive during the Obama years and eventually account for nearly 40% of all online commerce in the country. Last year, during the busiest day of the Christmas rush, customers around the world ordered more than 300 items from Amazon every second. But the complaints about its tactics would continue, with retailers of all kinds concerned that Amazon had become the online shopping gatekeeper. Former seller on Amazon, Jason Boyce. You've got to be on Amazon. You have to be there because that's where everyone is. That 100 million Prime subscribers, they are the de facto e-commerce channel in the United States, period. End of list. Correspondent James Jacoby. Amazon executives have told us that there are many other options out there. There is Walmart, there is Alibaba. As a seller, you've got options. I've heard that response from Amazon executives before, and we did that. We were listed, we listed all of our products on every other online marketplace, but it's a testament to just how good Amazon is. All of the others that were non-Amazon combined did about 10% of what we were doing on Amazon. Businesses big and small have been accumulating complaints about Amazon's hold on them. On Amazon, the customer belongs to Amazon. It doesn't belong to the third-party seller. You're basically renting the Amazon customer. James Thompson used to recruit brands to come onto Amazon and now advises them on how to do business with the company. I represent brands today that face a number of challenges with Amazon. Among those challenges, businesses say that Amazon has access to their valuable data, which gives it an unfair advantage. They also complain about increasingly higher fees to stay on the platform and pressure to use Amazon's warehouses and shipping services. We spoke to numerous name brand companies, but none would share its grievances on camera. My account was suspended. Some small business people have been talking about their experiences, good and bad, online. When you're selling on Amazon, you're playing in someone else's playground. Stacy Mitchell of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Who gets placed where, whether or not your product shows up in the search results. They suspended my account without warning. These are all things that are governed by Amazon's rules. And if there's a dispute within that arena, if you, you feel you are mistreated, um, you know, the judge and jury is Amazon. They don't care. They'll just kill your account like that or suspend it. There are all sorts of crazy stories about why people get their accounts shut down on Amazon. And it could take a week, it could take months, it could be never before you're back online again. Paul Raffleson, Online Merchants Guild. Amazon has the upper hand and the ability to basically take your business away from you at any given moment. Selling on Amazon, take one. Amazon said third-party sellers account for more than half of everything sold on the site. I sell mini longboard skateboards. I sell mineral water. This is what I do. And yeah. it's committed to its sellers' success, proactively contacting them when their accounts are at risk of suspension and offering an appeals process to resolve disputes. You already have great products. Scale up and reach... But in the eyes of some businesses, Amazon has essentially become like the railroads at the turn of the last century that controlled the flow of commerce across the country. Start selling today. James Jacoby with CEO Jeff Wilkie. 
Do you see yourself as being kind of like the rails for e-commerce that sellers bring their goods to market on your rails through your marketplace? I don't uh, think of it that way, and here's why. Uh, the, the vast majority of stuff that's, well, all the stuff that's sold is manufactured, right? So it's manufactured, meaning there are brands and factories that produce stuff and then sell it. Um, we're 1% of the retail sales in the world, about. Compete. Well, you are the biggest marketplace online, right? No. I, so again, I, I don't, the idea that there's an online distinct for brands to sell their stuff and distinct from physical just doesn't make sense to me. And we're far from the largest retailer. So I, I, I describe this as retail and we're competing against Walmart and Target and Costco and Carrefour and Alibaba and Tmall and all kinds of folks who are, are now selling both physic, physical stores and online. In addition to pointing to other large retailers, inside the company, employees have been schooled in how to talk about its size and power former senior manager James Thompson. When I worked at Amazon, we had training specifically on the use of terms like monopoly. We were not allowed to use a term like market share. Amazon has what's known as market segment share. What is market segment? What is market segment share? I don't know, but I know that the lawyers at Amazon feel that those terms are, are much safer than using terms like market share. So market share was something they were really concerned about. Clearly somebody with the necessary legal training or PR training recognized that Amazon was growing very quickly. And when we were asked to use the term market segment and market segment share, in essence, it's a polite way of saying, I'm not gonna to talk to you about how big we are. Since leaving Amazon 20 years ago, Shell Kappen has been watching the company with increasing concern, and he's speaking out about it for the first time. I think that the characterization of Amazon as being a ruthless competitor is true. And it, under the flag of customer obsession, they can do a lot of things which might not be good for people who aren't their customers. I know you're not a legal scholar, but are you basically concerned that Amazon is a monopoly? I'm, I'm concerned that it has that type of power. I think it you know, whether you technically can call it a monopoly or not, I don't know. That question has continued to loom over Amazon. Stacy Mitchell, Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I think that Amazon is looking out and the existential threat that they may face is gonna be from government. It's whether or not policymakers are gonna step in and intervene and say, you have too much power. For years, Bezos has been ramping up Amazon's profile in Washington. Amazon has been lobbying the FAA to lift... Trying to cozy up the politicians so that they will give him the biggest tax breaks around. Spending millions a year on lobbying. But Amazon lobbied more government entities than any other tech company. And hiring as its spokesman, the former White House press secretary, Jay Carney. You've got an army of lobbyists, many of whom have revolved in and out of government, including yourself. What are you hoping to get for all that lobbying spend and all that influence? Jay Carney. One of the things we discovered is because of the visibility of our company, but also the range of businesses that we're in, we need subject matter experts on food safety, on transportation, on drones, on privacy. 
And also, we can be a resource, an information provider to policymakers and regulators that's not lobbying in the traditional sense in terms of trying to persuade somebody to do something. It's just answering questions and, and, and providing data and information. Bezos himself would also become a presence in the capital, and eventually buy the largest private residence in town, journalist and author Franklin Foer. Jeff Bezos never really showed much interest in politics, but as he cemented himself in the city, he started to acquire this physical presence. He bought a mansion and developed it into a place that is explicitly designed to be social. And it has a big ballroom. I mean, it is designed to create a real presence for him in the nation's capital, where he can hobnob with the people who make decisions. He'd even bought the hometown newspaper. Jeff Bezos sent a thunderbolt through the media world this week. Spending a quarter of a billion dollars to rescue the struggling Washington Post. Jeff Bezos. And I do believe that democracy dies in darkness. I think that the capital city of the United States of America needs a paper like the Washington Post. I got to say, you know, full credit to him. He hasn't intervened in any of the coverage of the paper, and he's invested in the paper. Every dollar of profit that the paper makes is plowed back into making it a better paper. Journalist and author Brad Stone. Bezos allowed the Post to hire, to restock its newsroom. He reversed what had been an atmosphere of sort of decline. I'd say the Washington Post has really flourished under, under Bezos's ownership. Let's cut this digital ribbon. At the time, Critics saw a more cynical motive. Perhaps he's buying the Washington Post to buy some sort of protection. Precisely. This deal could give him more influence over politics. Nobody hangs out in Washington, D.C. just to go to the free museums. You buy a home in Washington, you buy a newspaper in Washington, because it is the most influential city in the world, and you want to lay your hands on that power. Bezos saw a business opportunity there as well. The Obama administration planned to modernize the federal government by embracing cloud computing. Bezos had been quietly building a revolutionary cloud computing business. He called it Amazon Web Services. Brad Stone. So it's basically computing power in the cloud, but really it's Amazon server farms around the world that give people access to the kind of technology services they need. To keep Amazon running, Bezos had developed an unprecedented digital infrastructure. He realized he could rent parts of it out, not just to businesses, but also to the government. Our infrastructure is built to satisfy the security standards of the most risk-sensitive organizations. He's already got a huge edge over the other big competitors in it. ProPublica reporter James Bandler. So he wants to take that lead and capture the U.S. government. In 2013, he got a major boost when it was revealed that Amazon Web Services had designed a computing cloud for the CIA. Amazon Web Services was awarded a 10-year contract for $600 million. Amazon is helping the CIA build a secure cloud computer network. The CIA contract was probably one of the best things that happened to Amazon's cloud business. It lifted all doubts about the security of the cloud and on whether you could trust Amazon with your most precious data. 
The message to the world is if the CIA trusts Amazon with its data, then maybe other companies and government institutions can as well. And they did. Experience it with Expedia. AWS became by far the world's leading cloud computing platform. On CBS. Today, more than a million businesses, as well as PBS, pay Amazon to store and manage their data. Bezos had again anticipated the next frontier in technology and had made himself indispensable to it. Stacy Mitchell. What Jeff Bezos is after is really creating a company that is the infrastructure, that owns the infrastructure for how commerce is done. And that's an incredibly powerful place to be. Please welcome Chief Executive Officer of Amazon Web Services, Andy Jassy. Andy Jassy created and runs AWS. He credits the service with making it easier to do business and sparking innovation throughout the economy. Look at what AWS has enabled with regard to change in our society. Look at Netflix changed the way that we consume digital content and Airbnb changed the way that we get accommodations and uh, Ola and Grab and Lyft and Uber changed the way that we get um, transportation. AWS has enabled, has been a part of enabling all of these huge innovations and changes in consumer experiences that have, have made life better for people. We're the cloud with the most capabilities, the most innovation, the most customers. The division generated $35 billion in sales last year. Amazon Web Services. Build on. The success of AWS gave Bezos billions to expand Amazon from a company that sells everything to a company that does everything. A top priority. To boldly go where no man has gone before was to create the sci-fi future he'd fallen in love with as a child. Gentlemen, this computer has an auditory sensor. It can, in effect, hear sounds. A world of artificial intelligence in which computers can think and make decisions for humans and about humans. Jeff Bezos is a big fan of Star Trek. Franklin Foer. He, he admits that that was on his brain when he came up with the idea that Amazon should be pursuing a little disk that you can bark commands into. Stop. This is his beam me up Scotty fantasy realized. Jeff Bezos. We started working on this device and our, our uh, vision was that in the long term, it would become the Star Trek computer. When it first arrived from Amazon, I didn't know what it was. In 2014, Bezos's talking computer, the Amazon Echo, hit the market. Is it for me? It's for everyone. The voice known as Alexa would embed Amazon deeper into the lives of millions of people. Alexa, what do you do? I can play music, answer questions, get the news on weather. Franklin Four. They call it a personal assistant and just that term implies this intimate connection that we then begin to develop with Amazon. Alexa, sing the ABC song. A, B, C, D, E, F, Amy Webb of the Future Today Institute. I believe that when we think about the future and the future with artificial intelligence, given where we currently are today, Alexa in some ways represents the moment that it becomes seamlessly interwoven with our lives. 
Alexa, how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? One tablespoon equals three teaspoons. Uh, okay. And the problem is that we forget that it's there. Alexa, lights on. But Alexa is also listening, and she's learning. I'm answering questions and learning more. And that helps Amazon in the race to dominate artificial intelligence. Alexa. Every time you ask Alexa something, you're making the Alexa algorithm better. Brad Stone. It's one of the reasons why Amazon, having had a head start, is able to kind of preserve that head start because they've got the most data of anyone. Meredith Whitaker of the NYU AI Now Institute. Alexa is one more way for Amazon to gather extremely valuable data, and this data collection is extremely important to this business model. It's extremely hard to do, and, you know, convincing people to just deploy something like this in their home is a brilliant trick. Dave Limp is Amazon's head of devices. Correspondent James Jacoby. How is it that you convinced tens of millions of people to put what is essentially a, a listening device in their homes? Well, I, I would first disagree with the premise. It, it, it doesn't, it's not a listening device. The, the device in its core is a, it has a detector on it. We call it internally a wake word engine. And that detector is listening, not really listening, it's detecting one thing and one thing only, which is the word you've said that you want to get the attention of that echo. Once the device is awake and the blue light is on, it's recording. And last year, it was revealed that Amazon employs thousands of people around the world to listen and transcribe some of those recordings to help train the system. Do you think that you did a good enough job of disclosing that to consumers, that, that there are humans involved in listening to these recordings? Amazon head of devices, Dave Limb. We, we try to articulate what we're doing with our products as clearly as we can. But if I could go back in time, and I could be more clear, and the team could be more clear on how we were using uh, human beings to annotate a small percentage of the data, I would, for sure. What I would say, though, is that once we realized that customers didn't clearly understand this, and within a couple days, we added an opt-out feature so that customers could turn off annotation uh, if, they, if they so chose, and then within a month or two later, we allowed people to auto-delete data, which they also asked for within that, within that time frame. You know, we're not going to always be perfect, but when we make mistakes, I think the key is that we correct them very quickly on behalf of customers. But even one of the founders of Amazon Web Services approaches his Alexa devices with caution. When do you turn off your Alexa? Former senior manager Robert Frederick. I turn off my Alexa when I know for a fact that uh, the conversation that I'm going to have or, uh, or whenever I just want to have a private moment. I don't want certain conversations to be heard by humans. Conversations that I know for a fact uh, are not things that should be shared, then I actually uh, turn off those particular listening devices. We have had an incredible year. The team has invented a lot on behalf of customers, and I cannot wait to show you what we have. So far, Limp and his team have made Alexa compatible with more than 100,000 products. Echo frames allow you to get done more around you and be more present in the everyday. Author Shoshana Zuboff. Now they're going to know more about you than anyone knows. They're trying to move as intimately as possible, and as quietly as possible, into everyday life. Echo Loop is a 
smart ring packed with ways to stay on top of your day. Amazon wants to have the entire environment essentially miked. Alexa, start my running playlist. They want your walk in the park. They want your run down the city street. Nationwide's teamed up with Amazon to bring you the all-new Echo Auto. They want what you do in your car. They want what you do in your home. Amazon smart oven. Alexa, bake for 30 minutes at 350 degrees. All these intimacies, all this insight is being integrated, analyzed and integrated. Alexa, alarm off. That is an extraordinary kind of power that has never before existed. After Alexa, Amazon would go on to spend nearly a billion dollars to buy Ring. Hey bud, the police are on the way. A doorbell camera and app that Amazon describes as the hey, new neighborhood hey. watch. Hey, get away. Get out of there. To promote it, Amazon has enlisted the help of hundreds of local police departments. It's a phenomenal uh, tool to assist detectives. They give them access to a portal to request footage and have given free cameras to hand out and talking points. This system is so simple to use and actually... You have Amazon in partnership with police departments who have basically turned policemen into like Avon salespeople for Amazon Ring. Meredith Whitaker. They have given police departments talking points and marketing materials to encourage the installation of Ring by community residents. None of this was public knowledge. And this is Ring's first indoor camp. It is cute, is what I would say. Amazon has continued to expand the scope of Ring. Last fall, Dave Limp unveiled a version designed to monitor the inside of people's homes. Within weeks, hackers discovered a way to terrorize Ring customers. Come on, can you say the magic word? Who is that? I'm your best friend. I'm Santa Claus. Did you see that video? I did see that video. What do you think of it? Dave Limp. I think that that is an industry problem. Uh, it's not just about uh, the, a ring camera. Uh, it could be about anybody's cameras. It's about any device in that, uh, the, and we've already investigated that one to make sure what the, what the root cause was. What we want to be able to do in those cases is we want to minimize them. We'd like to detect them. And we also want to build tools that give them the ability so that doesn't ha that, that makes it harder for those kinds of attacks to happen. There's a lot of bad people in this world. Here's a device that you had described as cute and seems harmless. And I'm just wondering whether you're being straight with people about the attendant risks to your customers that you are obsessed with, supposedly. Well, it's not supposedly. We are obsessed with customers. I, I would say that we are trying to build security features at every level of the stack. Operating systems, uh, authentication, uh, fraud detection. We offer things that customers can turn on that make it even, uh, make it even harder for those attacks to happen. Yo, what's up? How's your day? What's going on, buddy? What are you watching? There were a series of similar attacks across the country. What's up, homie? I still see you. You hungry? What's going on, my main man, Shaq? And it's not just hackers. Ring has fired some of its own employees for spying on customers. In George Orwell's 1984, 
he describes a dystopia in which you had to live, you did live, from habit that became instinct, in the assumption that every sound you made was overheard. And I wonder if you ever think about how easily this could become dystopian to some degree. Dave Limp. Well, I don't want to live in that world. So I do not want to invent the technology that, or have my teams invent the technology that would create that world. And so, but I am an optimist. I, I, I think if you take the, the absolute view of that, we wouldn't invent anything. We're increasingly living in a world in which your products and your designs are there. Can you see how it could be concerning in some ways that we all can't opt out of that world at this point? Uh, Sure, I can see why it could be concerning to some customers. Our job in building that technology is to build it in such a way that that it takes into account for the scenarios that you just talked about as best as we possibly can. Uh, You know, the the reality of it is that world happened way before Ring or Alexa. That's something that Bezos himself wrestled with 20 years ago. I believe that privacy is going to be one of the prominent issues of the 21st century. I think there are towns now in the United States that have installed security cameras on every corner and their crime rates decreased by 80%, but you really want cameras on every corner. There are very strange things that are going to happen over the next 100 years with respect to technology that are going to challenge us as a society to figure out how we want to deal with privacy. So that's... Decades later, Bezos would be at the vanguard of expanding the use of that kind of technology. Introducing Amazon Recognition Video. Recognition allows you to pass an image to us. You can say, do these two faces match, which is incredibly useful for applications in the security space. You can imagine unlocking your... After Amazon rolled out a facial recognition tool, it marketed it to law enforcement. Recognize and track persons of interest from a collection of tens of millions of faces. Police we've spoken to say it's a valuable tool to identify suspects quickly. Here's to be a match, but I'm gonna make sure I look at them all. And while Amazon has offered guidelines for how it should be used, there are few laws governing the use of this technology. It returns anybody with uh, warrants that look like her. Civil liberties advocates have raised concerns as have computer scientists who worry Amazon has released the software before it's ready and that police are essentially field testing it on the public on behalf of the company. The tools are not what I call battle tested and uh, we still do not understand how well they work in the environments in which they'll be applied. That's where I see a danger. Anima Anand Kumar was the principal scientist for artificial intelligence at Amazon. In her first interview about her concerns, she told us she was particularly alarmed by an MIT study that found the software prone to mistakes with darker-skinned faces. Amazon has questioned the study's methodology. As a researcher in AI, I feel it's my personal responsibility to educate the public of where AI truly is today. Right, because they hear so much of AI being hyped up. You know, it's supposed to be magical. It's supposed to solve all the world's problems. I see the potential in doing that, but at the same time, we need a reality check. We need to ask, where is AI today? What can it truly do well? And when it comes to facial recognition, you don't think it's ready for prime time? 
I don't think face recognition is ready for prime time in challenging applications like law enforcement. Anand Kumar and other scientists have asked Amazon to stop selling recognition to law enforcement because they say the system's accuracy is still in question and there are no clear regulations about how it's used. We asked Andy Jassy about it. I have a different view, and, and, uh, and we spent, um, we've, we've had the um, facial recognition technology um, out for use for over two and a half years now. Um, and in those two and a half years, we've never had any reported misuse of law enforcement using the facial recognition technology. And you know, I think a lot of societal good is already being done with facial recognition technology. Already you've seen hundreds of missing kids reunited with their parents and hundreds of human trafficking um, victims saved and um, all kinds of security and identity and education uses. So there's a lot of good that's been done with it. But I, I also understand that it could be misused. And I think at the end of the day with any technology, whether you're talking about facial recognition technology or anything else, the people that use the technology have to be responsible for it. And if they use it irresponsibly, they have to be held accountable. There's been all sorts of problems with policing in this country. So why allow police departments to experiment? We believe that governments and the organizations that are charged with keeping our communities safe have to have access to the most sophisticated modern technology that exists. We don't have a large number of police departments that are using our facial recognition technology. And as I said, we've never received any complaints of misuse. Let's see if somehow they abuse the technology. They, they haven't done that. And uh, to assume that they're going to do it and therefore you shouldn't allow them to have access to the most sophisticated technology out there doesn't feel like the right balance to make. It's been difficult to even know how many police departments are using the facial recognition technology. And there's no public auditing to know whether there are complaints about abuse. How would the public ever know? You know, again, uh, I don't think we know the total number of police departments that are using uh, facial recognition technology. I mean, there's, you, you, can, you can use any number, we have 165 services in our technology infrastructure platform, and you can use them in whatever conjunction, any combination that you want. Um, we know of some, and the uh, vast majority of those that are using it um, are using it according to the guidance that we prescribe. And when they're not, we have conversations. And if we find um, that they're using it in some irresponsible way, we won't allow them to use the service in the platform. Andy Jassy and Jeff Bezos have said they want governments to hurry up and regulate how law enforcement can use facial recognition. But in the meantime, Amazon has forged ahead and has even discussed its services with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. At Amazon Web Services, we are and the U.S. military. Community ...to deliver for our warfighters and defense leaders for when it matters most. Bezos himself has made it clear that he sees Amazon playing a critical role in national security, as well as in commerce. We are going to continue to support the DOD, and I think we should. And if, if big tech companies are going to turn their back on the U.S. Department of Defense, this country is going to be in trouble.